Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And my name is Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Welcome to episode 173. Today, we're going to talk about digital clutter. We're going to talk about technological exhaustion. We're going to talk Mm. about quitting social media. We're going to talk about overall online health. And we're also going to answer your questions about digital minimalism with today's guest. Our friend Cal Newport is here. He's the author of the new book, Digital Minimalism. Thanks yeah. for joining us, Cal. Yeah, thanks so much, man. Of course, of course. Happy to be here. Man, you wrote, I mean, we're going to get into the book when we answer these questions. Let me just say, you wrote an amazing book. And I'm, I'm really grateful for that because now I, we get all these questions of where people ask us about technology and now I can just pawn them <laughs> off onto your book. And oh, you have a question about digital clutter? Here, read this book. <laughs> right. Yeah, I totally agree. That's so, the idea. so the last time Cal was with us, mm-hmm. uh, we were in Washington, D.C. Well, you were. Well, I was in Washington, D.C. And, uh, well, I was there too, but I was in a hotel room <laughs> in Canyon, with a needle in my arm. Yeah, you Canyon City was there. there. Yeah. <laughs> so Cal was there to fill in your spot uh, during our show. Yeah, and I gotta tell you, man, he he, he makes a pretty good Josh Milburn. <laughs> <laughs> he like just quaffed his hair up a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, People already noticed a lot of moose, but I got it. <laughs> I got it going. How did you know he used moose? <laughs> Come on, he, this is a work of art. Yeah, Come he on. just he stammered a lot, just like me, and it, it's it's perfect. Well. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into our first question here. It's from Justin from Patreon. Shout out to all our patrons over on Patreon. I have recently gone through Facebook and Instagram and I've followed people that don't bring any benefit to me. But it was mainly old school friends that I haven't spoken to in years and uh, and never see. And I felt quite guilty about it. Did you ever feel guilty about going through your own social media and removing people? Well, I can tell you right now, Cal hasn't felt ever felt guilty yeah. for unfollowing anyone. I was, I was thinking Cal's <laughs> advice would be just delete your social media. <laughs> well, his advice would be don't sign up for it in the first place. Right. So, so Cal, you you are in this this interesting space where um, you are you're a young professor. Yes. You're of the generation where everyone around you has at least dabbled in social media, but I think you 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 never signed up at all. Never signed up. Yeah. It's weird because I just wrote this essay uh, recently called Techno, uh, Techo Chamber, which is like the, the sort of technological echo chambers that mm. we we get stuck in. And I, I actually signed up for social media uh, in 2010. My, my, after my, my marriage ended, my, my mom died. I was just sort of looking to connect with some new people that weren't co-workers and like former high school mates or something. And so I... I signed up for Twitter, Facebook, and MySpace all on the same day. <laughs> what a hipster. <laughs> I still am not in his top eight. Yeah, top eight. <laughs> Keep trying, Ryan. Uh, um, but anyway, I signed up for, and, and I actually found uh, immense use, uh, especially from Twitter. Uh, I don't know if it, it has to do with my love of the written word. But in 2010, 2011, I connected with a bunch of people that probably ultimately led me to your work and then us connecting and becoming friends. And and I realized that in connecting with people on social media, it was a really useful tool, but it was useful because I was using it in a useful way. So when I unfollow someone or unsubscribe to answer Justin's question here, um, 
it's because I'm no longer getting value from that thing. But in a way, we feel obligated. And you yeah. did a lot of research on this with different case studies. So what have you found when, when you talk to people who were had this, this sort of social anxiety around social media? Well, I think there's two things happening here. So one, there's this idea that we need to have this constant lightweight contact with weak ties in our social network, mm-hmm. right? So that's probably the main thing you're losing when you start unfollowing people or unfriending people. They're probably weak ties in your social network. Mm-hmm. The idea that it's important to keep contact with these sort of weak tie social connections is something that was mainly invented by the arrival of social media. It's something that has never really played a large role in human sociality. And what about what about text messaging though? Because that came along. I mean, it became popularized around the time of social media. Yeah. But but I find that I do the same thing, the weak ties with text messages in, in a way. Now, it is more intimate because you have to share phone numbers or... Right. It's probably stronger. With text messaging, you know, the, the main thing I hear on the road, especially from guys, is that it's their high school friends. Mm. Everyone has the, the group text message that they use when they're watching like the sports game or something oh, like that. So it's kind of like an email chain or something. Kind of like an email yeah. chain. Yeah. But, th- but that's often a stronger connection. I mean, what, what social media really brought in was like the old friend's roommate or the person right. you knew you knew in high school. And in that instance, there's really no good evidence that having those type of weak tie connections is really important to feeling socially engaged. Yeah. But the research, and the research's been evolving on this. I mean, I spent the flight over here reading a, a collection of new papers that all came out in the last year, where it's sort of a, a consensus forming in the psychology literature on social media and well-being. And they're really now trying to figure out the nuanced models of when social media makes you feel better and when it doesn't. Mm. And one of the few places where it does make you feel better is when it allows for uh, you to develop intimacy with a group that is not physically co-located. So like what you were doing in 2010 is essentially the use case for where social media makes you feel better, that you feel like I don't whatever, I don't fit in here. There's a particular, you know, whatever. I'm looking for people uh, that I can't find locally, but I can find them on social media and through self-disclosure, let's say, form some type of intimacy where you wouldn't otherwise be able to talk to these people. Yeah. Right. And I think that that's the the most useful case for social media for me. Well, there's two. One is the connection side. Yeah. The other is the broadcasting side. Well, yeah, but that's uh, more of a business. Uh, we, sure. And I think we, we've got some, we, we have, have some business questions here, uh, but broadcasting also in a way I see people use Facebook, the people who use Facebook effectively, whatever that means, um, they do use it as sort of a, a broadcast method. Look at, you know, instead of me having to go around and show everyone the picture of my kid here, now it's on, on Facebook. Now, we can question what kind of value you, you actually yeah. get from that. That's what I found really interesting that you talked about in your book is how these social interactions, the more we have, there's actually studies that show the uh, the worse off our mental health is yeah the the lonelier we are yeah well so this is what's going on so if you look at these these more recent papers which actually came out after uh, the book went to press so this is really sort of cutting edge is the two social media behaviors that seem to clearly make people less happy uh, is a when you do what they call social snacking mm. which is using the easier lower friction communication interaction online to replace sort of in-person or deeper interaction. Yeah. Uh, it's just not a good replacement. Yeah. So if you're broadcasting the baby pictures instead of actually having a phone call with your cousin yeah. and like, hey, here's what it's like with the new kid, uh, you end up worse off. And then social comparison. This is the other thing we know is a major driver of negative well-being. And if you are uh, doing a lot of looking at people's sort of carefully curated Photos. I mean, if you're a parent, you see everyone has these photos of everyone's dressed in white and it's their kids on the beach <laughs> and, the, and the sun is shining or whatever. This makes people unhappy as well. Mm. Um, but this is what most people are doing. 
Yeah, it's it makes people unhappy when they see that you're saying when they like, see it. So social comparison makes makes negative well being yeah. because it looks a lot better what you see. What you see online, people's portrayals like, well, wait a second, we don't all wear white. And oh, yeah. <laughs> so We've we're, never taken that picture. Yeah. We've never been to the beach. Why are they on the? Why are they looking? To, why are they on the beach so much? Right? And, I mean, yeah. So I, I think in, in a way, what, what maybe what we're doing there, and I'm certainly guilty of this in the past, and I, I've been a lot more cognizant of it recently, especially after reading your book. Yeah. But but over the last several years, doing different experiments, for me, I think I use social media at a point when it when it sort of got out of control and it it's you know rapaciousness sort of took over my life it was be jealous of me right and look now, at me look how happy i am that was the implicit message yeah. Yeah. and i didn't even know that um i didn't know that on the surface i i it was like maybe this deep down yeah. thing where, where all of a sudden it was like hey look at how amazing my life is look mm-hmm. how it can even be a picture of a you know toast uh, piece of toast look at this avocado toast you see yeah. right. look how amazing my breakfast is or whatever yeah. and and what does that make other people want to do? Um, it, get that, and then it, it breeds that comparison thing. You know, we had we had Rachel Cruz on, and her book is is love your life, not theirs, and it's a whole book about yeah. the the problem with with comparison. We've been we've been given this template, and now we feel like we're compelled to fulfill it. And I think that's where Justin is right now in his question. He says, "Hey, I've set myself up. I have all of these." relationships but right. they're weak ties most weak of them ties. are weak ties yeah. but i would feel guilty to just unfollow them mm-hmm. is there practical advice to to do that well okay so a couple things one what we know is uh the foundation for a very happy social life is actually making sacrifices and time and effort for family close friends and community right mm-hmm. so you want to be doing that yeah. If you're doing that, you are going to feel a sense of, of social connection fulfillment, which is going to take away a lot of the stakes mm. of now I'm unfollowing, yeah. you know, so-and-so that I've known from a long time ago. That kind of ties in with, like in your book, you talk about leisure and like yeah. how leisure is important. Yeah. And so doing these things on a leisurely level are going to be way more meaningful than, uh, yes, all these relationships on yeah. social media. Fill in the void that the tools are feeling for you right now, right? right. So if you build a, a meaningful social life that's built off a of commitment and sacrifice to other people, mm-hmm. I'm going to come over to your house. It's a pain. I'm giving up a couple hours of my afternoon or what have to, to spend time with you or help you clean out your garage or something. Mm-hmm. I am sacrificing for you. That is the, the foundation of strong social connections. It doesn't take much sacrifice to say, hey, Facebook told me it's your birthday. Right. And I clicked happy birthday, right? Yeah. That doesn't actually build what we crave. And so, yeah, a lot of it in the book, with a lot of these different tools that people are worried about, you're right. The first thing you're doing is filling in the void yeah. that the tools are doing in a lightweight way. Then it's much easier. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's interesting, man. After reading your book, I no longer, I won't even tap back. Ha ha. Or like, oh, you don't have an iPhone. The iPhone has this feature where like. Oh, I have one now. You do have one yeah. now. So you can, you hold down and then like you t- you can tap back, ha ha, or a thumbs up or whatever. Is that what that is? Yes. You mean when it shows up as like a, a thought bubble thing? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So like, I don't yeah. even do that. I don't like stuff on Twitter anymore. I don't yeah. like stuff on Instagram. And it's not because, it's not because uh, I'm trying to like prove anything or show anything. But yeah. after looking at why I actually do that, it is, it's kind of a thoughtless interaction. It's. It's uh, you you give um, I'm going to do a bad job of paraphrasing this, but you give the example of how, you know, we we have to have these certain interactions with people. But to think that we can supplement these meaningful interactions, uh, going to a friend's house, help, helping them clean out the garage, supplementing that with a tap or with yeah. a like yeah. or with a thumbs up. I mean, that is um, it's kind of uh, an insult almost in a way. Yeah. 
well, my wife is great about this, right? So the baby picture example is a common one, right? Mm-hmm. I can broadcast my baby pictures, then everyone can say, you know, congrats, three exclamation points in mm-hmm. the Instagram comments. But my wife's instinct is always, okay, someone had a baby. I'm going over there and bringing them a box that has X, Y, and Z that I know yeah. that they need, right? Mm-hmm. And that's worth 100x more. Yes. Then like, what? yeah, congrats. Three, I mean, I think it's kind of implied, right, that people are excited. that, And so that, that, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. goes a lot farther, right? So so you yes. take away the friction. And this is why people end up lonelier mm-hmm. when they use social media more in a lot of instances is because you take away the friction. You're convincing yourself you're being very social. It's like, I've been talking to people all day long. Right. I've been tapping the ha-has and the likes or whatever it yeah. is all day long. Uh, but for most of your brain, which evolved in a context where these glowing screens didn't uh, exist, it just thinks you're lonely. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and it, the, the, wow. the even bigger problem there is it apes the form of communication and connectivity when it doesn't provide that that fundamental connection that we need. If yeah. it's, however, if it's the first step toward that fundamental connection, then great. But if we just pretend that, well, I can just outsource all of my connection to social media, I think that's when we get into a problem. Yeah. Dude, so, you hit the nail on the head when you talked about how we fear boredom. Like we are so scared to be bored. Oh, yeah. And it's so easy to get on social media and to fill that void just a little bit. Yeah. But what we're doing when we do that is we are programming ourselves to fill the void with the wrong thing. And we yeah. just need more and more and more. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, boredom is the reason why we don't like boredom is that it is it's a sensation that's supposed to drive us into productive, fulfilling activities. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so when you replace the productive, filling activities with this, which is just optimized to give you sort of a quick yeah. fix to get past the boredom, mm-hmm. you're actually missing the activity that boredom evolved in the first place to try to drive us to do. Like yeah. it drove us to say, get off the rock and get out of the cave and go do some things, right? right. Build the spear, uh, pull your tribe together, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and so if you avoid the actual things that boredom is supposed to drive us to do, like our grandfathers, you know, you they would be out at the Rotary Club or whatever, yeah. carving the canoe in the <laughs> woodshed or something <laughs> right. like that. I mean, boredom would drive you to do that, right? Yeah. But it's meaningful. And, right. and, and, and we, should, we shouldn't be surprised that when we take really deep-seated instincts, things that have been evolved into us over millennia, and then we start messing around with them with yeah. tools that some 20-year-olds with hooded sweatshirts thought up in an incubator somewhere, we shouldn't be surprised it's going to cause some problems. Yeah. I mean, it's just like when we began messing around with food, processing food, doing industrial food, you know, changing the, what we've been eating for thousands of years. Like, of course we had obesity epidemics. You're, you're messing around with something that, that our bodies had, had honed, yeah. had been honed the process. So this is what's happening. It's, 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 it's like junk food. Yeah. It's not that it's evil, but we got to be a little bit wary when we start messing around with things like human sociality. Yeah, we've got to be more deliberate with it. I mean, the whole book, uh, you talked about in the beginning how you started writing this because you realized like the number one things that's shaping our lives right now are screens. Yeah. So we all the screens that we have in our lives, I'm not saying that we need to get rid of all screens, but uh, we certainly need to be deliberate with uh, the screens that we have in our lives and what we are, we are using them. Justin, this is what I'll tell you, man. Your true friends, they don't care if you follow them or not. If Josh unfollowed me on Facebook... Wait, I'm not even on Facebook. If you can follow me on Twitter or Instagram, uh, Josh has never liked any of my pictures. I mean, I don't, I don't ever look at Josh and be like, "You're a bad friend because you don't give me those ephemeral interactions." <laughs> what, what were you gonna say? I just, Sean doesn't follow me on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> And, and you're fired, and, Sean. And I kind of feel a way about that. <laughs> but he accidentally follows like my 
old Twitter account. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, there's a there's an at Joshua Milburn that is just parked, and it says yeah. don't follow this account. Like <laughs> that's all. So I just didn't want anyone to take my name basically, right. and so it says please follow me at JFM on Twitter. Yeah. And Sean just like ah, I'll just follow this uh, one. <laughs> I'll follow him later. Justin, here's the thing, man: is if you are worried about your friends liking you or not, or uh, your friends having meaningful relationships with your friends, then, you know, instead of worrying about liking their photos or following them on Twitter, uh, if your friend has a kid, yes, go over to their house and bring them something they need. M- create the meaningful interactions with your friends and you're going to have meaningful relationships. Yeah, yeah. And I think one experiment he might want to try, this is something that I've done, I did with podcasts recently because podcasts has become this new addiction for me that has supplanted my social media addiction because I don't have social media on my phone, but I have podcasts on my phone because where else are you going to keep them, right? Mm-hmm. And so I unsubscribe from every podcast that I that I followed, that I subscribed to. Mm-hmm. And I, as I missed a podcast, I went back and resubscribed to it. And I've probably unsubscribed from 90% of the podcast. Wow. And that can, it can unravel. We have to continue to be cognitive uh, yeah. of about, uh, about any of these, well, these things that we're doing. It's not a quick yeah. fix. It's not quit social media and then all of your, your problems are going to be solved. It's not yeah. unsubscribe. But I think maybe that's a good a good space to start. Start, yeah. Ryan. You did that. You started from zero with Instagram. You unfollowed everyone. Yeah, and just, just started on, on all the platforms just to really think. Well, I took a month off just because I was I was addicted and I was going, you know, just scrolling through stuff. So I'm like, if I don't have anything to scroll through, then I'm gonna have to be more deliberate with what I'm looking up. So what I realized uh, is I was getting some value, and I uh, the reason the, the way I found out who was giving me value is I realized like, oh, these are the people I'm actually going out and searching on a regular basis to see what they're up to or you know what's what's their quote of the day or whatever it is yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a great idea I mean I think the number one thing out of for Justin is he he's he's uncomfortable right now mm-hmm. he's uncomfortable because he's uh, calling uh, calling down his social media uh, following or who's who he's following he is uh, experiencing a little bit of discomfort get uncomfortable like if you're uncomfortable it's because you're probably a little bit bored and and again like we're all scared of boredom none of us want to be bored uh so here's the thing though is if you if you spend less time on social media there has to be an answer on what to replace that time with so uh it's it's when you go back to talking about living a leisurely life we still want to do leisurely things but you can do much more meaningful leisurely things like uh joining a cause or uh a sports you know a recreational sports league or something um get uncomfortable and fi- uh, fill this these board these board times fill this discomfort justin with activities that are meaningful justin i'm gonna send you a copy of cal's book it's called digital minimalism choosing a focused life in a noisy world i think you'll find a lot of value in that Uh, sean can you also send him a copy of our book essential um it's 150 essays and in there there's a, a technology chapter and i go through some of the sort of stoical experiments that that i walked my own self through just temporarily depriving myself and Cal you did that in your book as well where you and we'll talk about that in a bit you temp- you have people temporarily deprive themselves to see what is actually adding value so I got rid of my phone for two months I got rid of home internet for a month that ended up being five years um, uh, and doing some of these sort of experiments in technology it helps you figure out like oh wow I'm not actually getting the value I thought I was getting it that's that's our in our book essential so if you like our podcast you'll like the audiobook version of that or if you want the book book or the ebook we can do that as well all right it looks like we have several more surprise questions this week about productivity 
about to-do lists, about calendars, about using social media for business, about curating your photographs digitally. And I want to chat with Cal about digital minimalism for parents as well as the 16 person, actually it wasn't 16 people. 1,600 right? people. Yeah, 1,600 person case study that he did for his new book. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly Minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I, and well, Cal this week, we record an entirely different long-form Maximal episode on the Minimalist's private podcast, which gives us the private space we need to discuss topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast and keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist Private Podcast on Patreon, you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. You also get access to our entire back catalog of more than 100 private podcast episodes find all the details and all the good stuff including an additional long-form podcast episode every week over at theminimalistscom slash support ryan what time is it it is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media yeah. ironically we answer questions from social media <laughs> <laughs> all irony. All irony for me. we, we well, brought like a giant blanket of irony and wrapped cow yeah, yes exactly yeah. welcome to our life by the way yeah so for the last eight years everything everything i mean i'm walking down the street and someone i'm uh not very minimal you're wearing a long sleeve t-shirt <laughs> yeah and it's like okay yeah first time i heard that buddy right i was in uh, the grocery store in missoula and had like you know half a dozen lemons or something something he's like it's not a very minimal amount of lemons good one i'll yeah. write that down yeah <laughs> so uh, i do minimalist stuff yeah right. you got me yeah. you got me <laughs> uh, well actually you know what's funny man you talk about this in your book where people look at minimalism they look at minimalists like it is an extreme uh, lifestyle basically i get this a lot yes well, is, do you think this is in part because of the art movement I, I think right. so because well because if you stark look, white rooms and the two yes. chairs I get that a lot but like, when I think of the stark white room and the so. two chairs I'm thinking I mean I'm an art history minor I'm thinking this is like minimalist art movement right, right? Yeah. And, and, yeah. I think I mean it there's really a difference part of it is there's some sort of appeal to uh, anything that is radical or extreme right yeah. it, it brings uh, for me when minimalism goes extreme you can actually see the the beauty within the bones of, of the thing you go to an art museum it's really well curated it's a beautiful space but the reason it's beautiful is because it is so well curated and and we think well can we apply that to our own lives as well is it practical no no one lives in an art museum no. but we can have the sort of functional equivalent yeah. in our own lives whether it's with technology or with material possessions. Well, I love how you make the counterpoint of like, no, no, no. Minimalism, especially, you know, digital minimalism, it's not extreme. What is extreme is how we're currently using technology, yeah. how we're currently using these platforms. Yeah, well, I mean, digital minimalists always notice this, right? They do this mm -hmm. transformation. They're much more intentional about how they use tech, so they use a lot less of it. And they look around and everyone all the time is looking at the thing and they're wondering well who's the unusual one here right. like i mean if you if you come from a time machine from 10 years ago like what's going to catch your attention oh, yeah. but yeah it's what's going to get yeah seeing that yeah that's what's going to catch your attention that's yeah. what's unusual you're right yeah so in the digital space the minimalists are basically 
back to standard types of behavior, right? right? I mean, it's they're kind of the normal ones. Yeah, yeah, totally yeah, agree. It, and and it's weird. Like you and I were Ryan and I you know, helped uh, propagate this problem because we were in telecom for a long time, right? And mm-hmm. and we were we left in what 2011, yeah. but by then we had to sell that data, man. Yeah, <laughs> you had to. we had to make sure that every phone we sold walked out of the door with some kind of internet usage on it. Right, right. Yeah. And, and so we helped propagate the problem, but now we're trying to you know we've we've yeah. Uh, taking the the red pill so to speak yeah. uh anyway our first lightning round question ryan you want to dive into that yes our first lightning round question is from lcwc can you remain relevant as a company or brand without a constant media presence cal you do it a great example of this because you have a great brand you have a great following you have a lot of readers um i in fact when i was reading your book it was i broke my back uh back in uh, january january 11th and i had so much time to sit around and do nothing read and and watch netflix so i was tweeting out like oh i'm gonna read cal newport's digital minimalism that that's next on the list and i'm like i can't find him on twitter (laughs) well there is a fake cal newport though so yeah i I think that's the one i tweeted (laughs) (laughs) well like that they're like following no one right and like yeah Yeah. okay so so asking about relevance here uh we try to give like pithy answers for this like we call them minimal maxims and sean puts them in in the show notes but we can Monder on a bit as well my, my pithy answer we can unpack here is relevance is irrelevant if we're not first contributing something of value mm. there's been this new phenomenon of internet famous people yeah oh my god um who what are they, what are they called influencers yes oh my god yeah uh that's another pithy answer i've never been influenced by an influencer i think because i saw jason zook say something like uh if you call yourself an influencer, you're probably you probably don't influence as many people as you think. <laughs> it, it, it's interesting because I I feel like I mean, uh, I think Cal is influential. Yes, but uh, that's that's the adjective, not the not the noun, right? right? Yeah. And it's figuring out like what the difference is. Like for me, ultimately, he's influential because he adds value through the work, the creativity, the Absolutely. creations that you produce. So so. Uh, think about relevance with respect to, to a business or a company. I, I, that's one thing that comes up all the time yeah. with people, especially with small businesses. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, how much is Facebook paying you to post on on their, their platform? Yeah. Right. And what is your real return on investment? Yeah, I mean, I get this a lot. I mean, I usually go back to that, that 2012 book I wrote about career advice mm-hmm. where, where the title is so, be, so, so good. good they can't ignore you, right? Yeah. I mean, this was Steve Martin's advice to the aspiring entertainers. They wanted to know, like, how do I get noticed? How do I get an agent? He would just say, be so good they can't ignore you. Mm-hmm. That works like 90% of the time. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you want to be the Kardashians who are incredibly successful, then yeah, you probably need to be really savvy with your social media brand. But nine out of 10 times when I talk to people who feel like just generically speaking, they need to be active on social media, mm-hmm. they probably don't. Now, if they have a very specific thing, like if you're advertising on social media, okay, I get it. It's like a miracle box. I mean, the, my publisher was showing me what you can do. There's a reason why Facebook is worth $500 billion. Yeah. You can you can advertise to specific people. <laughs> All right, I'm not going to fault you for that. But if it's just a generic... yeah, <laughs> Joshua <laughs> will. Yeah, we yeah. don't do advertisements. So like... There we go. That, yeah. that's, that, that's, a, that, that's with respect to our values. Yeah. So, but I mean, so I, I get that why, why companies use advertising, I guess, right? It's a, a, a powerful advertising medium. But I would say nine times out of 10, not 10 out of 10, but nine times out of 10, producing something really valuable Mm. is what's going to matter. That's totally true. That's a beautiful tweetable answer. Ryan, do you have a minimal maximum for us? Yes, it's very much along the same lines as what you guys are saying. Uh, My pithy answer is a company's relevance increases in direct proportion to the experience 
it creates. So yes, you'd be so good that they can't ignore you. You're going to be relevant if you're creating an outstanding customer experience. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Our next question is from Donna. How can we keep up with work without drowning in information? Well, Sounds like an excuse, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> to, to use another uh, Cal Newport book, um, I, I incorporated it into my, my pithy answer here. Deep work does not intersect with breaking news. Mm. And, and for me, you know, breaking news is broken at this point. We, we've, we've reached peak breaking news. It's always breaking yeah. news. And it, it's really become breaking entertainment, not breaking news it's a we it, it, it purports to be reports to be news but it is i don't know most most news isn't newsworthy yeah. is that maybe another pithy answer yeah Cal, what do you what do you think about about this this information uh fire hose that we're facing so, so i wrote this article recently for the chronicle higher education where it opened on this emeritus computer science professor at Stanford who has been writing this sort of multi-volume treatise on computer programming. He's been working on it since the 1960s, but he has this great quote, which is, for some people, uh, I guess their job is to be on top of things. For me, I think my job is to be on the bottom of things. Mm -hmm. And this is a guy who hasn't used email since 1992 because he wants to focus on what's important. Man, what a hipster. I, <laughs> by the way, that's after having used it for 20 years at that point oh, because wow. he's a hardcore computer scientist. But I think that applies to, to more things we do than we think. I mean, more things we do are probably better served by us being on the bottom of things yeah. than is being on the top of things. Even the, the journalists I talk to hate the breaking news. Even the people yeah. whose job it is to follow breaking news tell me when the mics are off, uh, they get such an incoherent picture of what's going on when they're on Twitter, that they're actually yeah. better off waiting to, to see how it comes together the next day in the newspaper. And so I agree, the fire hose, the fire hose exists because it gives you a reason to look at your phone. You look right. at your phone, that helps these companies get these multi-billion dollar valuations. Yeah. I mean, we didn't have this 10 years ago, and I think we we're all fine. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's funny, man. After uh, after reading Digital Minimalism, you know, there's a spot in there where you talk about the cycle that we get caught in. Uh, you know, you, you jump from news site to news site to sports site yeah. to... And dude, I, I'm totally guilty of this. It's like I will go to one specific news site and then I'll go to like, you know, one extreme uh, opinion to the next, to the other extreme opinion. And, and I think I'm doing something good for myself because I'm like, oh, well, I'm looking at both sides. And But dude, never have I ever went into that, you know, whatever it takes, 15, sometimes a half hour if I get into, you know, a couple good articles. Never have I left my screen and thought, oh, thank God I went and, and read that news. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah it's uh, it's hardly ever adding value really when I look at it. It's more entertaining than anything. I love that, dude. Would, not, breaking news isn't, uh, it's breaking entertainment. That is, it, it's it so really true. It is most of the time, yeah. I mean, yeah. occasionally, but here's the thing, if there's big enough breaking news, it's gonna make its way to me somehow without me having to check Mother Jones or the Drudge Report, right? right. Yeah, it's so true. There's your left and right, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mother Jones? Yeah, yeah, it's like an aggregator. I have not heard of that. Anyway, it's the Drudge Report for the left. My pithy answer is this. Step one, if you're drowning in a bathtub, turn off the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's the thing. You have to turn down the, the, the information. YouTube yeah. is, is, is my Bermuda Triangle, and I have to avoid it because otherwise I will, I will fall down just this spiral of of entertainment yeah. uh, and it, it starts out as information and then all of a sudden I'm watching Canadian rap battles six hours later <laughs> drooling on myself Ryan what else you got for us this week as always I want to encourage people to read more and get informed and you can do that by picking up Cal Newport's digital minimalism I highly encourage you to read it it's uh it has totally changed our 
uh, outlook on social media, um, the way we use it, uh, the, the, what we bring into our lives. And dude, during the Patreon uh, episode, like that was, uh, that was, that was some really interesting topics, man, about how we, we do, are we adding to the noise or, or, or are we doing something intentional? Are we doing something good for our readers? But, uh, yeah, so, so we just talked about that with, with Cal and basically we were asking how should we, should we even use social media yeah. anymore? And, and he had a fascinating take on it. So yeah. you can check that out. What else you got, Ryan? I got some voicemail and comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, my name's Emma. Um, I'm from Fresno, California. I just wanted to leave a comment for listeners. Um, when I tried to do minimalism, I noticed that as a woman, I had so many products um, as far as makeup, lotions, perfumes, makeup remover, um, and just a lot of bathroom products. So I looked into more natural ways to get more function out of products, and I went ahead and switched over to using coconut oil. Um, which can be used to, for basically any products that I had, I was able to replace it with coconut oil, and um, I went ahead and just threw away a bunch of the products I had, and it really minimized um, the amount of clutter I had under my sink in my bathroom, which was really freeing. So just wanted to share that tip. Thanks. Hi, my name is Nakia, and I am from Nebraska. In listening to the spouses episode, it really got my mind wandering of some guilt that I had been holding on to. My husband, um, when we were dating, I got rid of some of his uh, things, such as a Packers uh, poster, and I got rid of some golfing things and some bowling things. And we don't live in a house where there's room for a man cave or a she shed. But I really just decided that, um, and with the help of myself, we talked about it, and we decided that we don't need a space in our home that is dedicated to things that we wish we would be doing. So we have pledged to each other that instead of deciding that we want to hang Brett Favre on our wall, we're my husband is more than welcome to go watch a Packers game or maybe someday we'll get to go um, instead of having Phil Mickelson up on our wall or having a glove with his name on it. We can just go ahead and he can go golfing or perhaps get to go to one of our one of his things that he does in golf. So um, that's just my suggestion just to just to go and do the things versus surrounding yourself with the things that you wish you would be doing. All right, y'all. That's it for this episode. Well, almost it. Thanks again to Cal Newport for joining us today. Check out his new book, Digital Minimalism, and his blog at calnewport.com. He has subscribed to his blog. I think that's like one of four blogs that I subscribe yeah, to still. it's a good one. And yeah, it's, it's really good. And real quick for right here, right now, this week, here's what's going on in the lives of the minimalists. We touched on this a little bit during the Patreon episode, Ryan, but... Um, if you, if you all get a chance, you can check out our Screenless Saturdays video that Jordan recorded. So we talked a little bit about the experiment we did. He recorded an all-analog video. So good. Analog uh, um, video, analog audio on a Saturday. We went out to a park, and it was it was a really good experience. You can check that out on youtube.com slash the minimalists. If you have a question, comment, or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail. 406-219-7839 or send a voice memo to podcast at theminimalists.com you can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists if you want our show notes in your inbox sign up for our email list at theminimalists.com and you'll also receive our simple Sunday emails each week 
Ryan, before we head on over to Patreon here, that Patreon episode, do you have anything that's added value to your life recently? Man, uh, I already talked about a digital minimalism. Go get a copy. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm going to play you out today with my added value this week. It is a song called Maybe You're the Reason by a gal. She goes by the name The Japanese House is her stage name. And her new album is called Good at Falling. And this, uh, it's like this upbeat sort of upbeat singer songwriter electronic it's it's just the it's the perfect soundtrack to a nighttime drive so you all can check that out at the end of this episode all right y'all if you leave here today with just one message we hope it's this love people and use things because the opposite never works thanks for listening y'all we'll see you next time Time I tried to figure it out